morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Authors Access, where authors get published and published authors get successful. Hi, I'm Irene Watson, and I'm the Managing Editor with Reader View. And I'm Victor Volkman with Loving Healing Press in Ann Arbor, Michigan. I'd like to welcome all our listeners to episode number 101 in our series. Tonight's topic is writing and publishing erotic romance novels, and our special guest is Deborah Hurd. You can learn more about our guests on the Authors Access website, which is authorsaccess.com. We'd love to hear your questions and comments about tonight's show. Please send them to info at authorsaccess.com. Now, tonight we're on the line with Debbie Harold, who is an author and editor currently working for Lyrical Press. Her two most recent novels are Perfect Game and Sweet Dreams. Since she was a child, she has enjoyed the written word and takes a specific liking to contemporary and historical romances. Debbie enjoys working with authors to polish their work and see it through to publication. When not writing or editing, she can often be found cooking with her friends or with her young child, doing any number of things. Well, good evening, Debbie. Good evening, it's really great to have you uh, online with us and to talk about uh, something we haven't ever talked about before, and that's writing and publishing erotic romance novels. And Victor, just in the introduction, uh, mentioned that uh, you can be off and on cooking with your friends and being with your uh, child, but also I see you on Facebook a lot, too. So uh, certainly our listening audience can find you there, too. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, Deborah, first of all, we're just going to get right into it. What is erotic romance? Erotic romance is it's it's kind of its own little um, little niche. People have to understand that erotic romance is not pornography. Um, it, it is romance. Um, I think authors um, sometimes think that to write good erotica, more sex is better, and um, that's that's not the case. Um, well-written sex is what constitutes erotica. Um, erotica is um, is something that um, it, it has to be written. Each sex scene has to further the story. Um, if you're writing something that is purely sex-driven, you're writing porn. Um, if there's no storyline in it, it and it's just, you know, sex for the sake of sex, that's, that's pornography. Um, it's not an erotic story. Um, what, any, what an erotica story is, uh, is is something that is basically a romance story. Um, there's a storyline. There's characters. They have um, the external conflict. They have the internal conflict. Um, the same basic premises that you would find in any other book that you would read, um, however, the uh, the sex scenes in them they are not closed door, they are not um, hinted at, they are not um, uh, barely descriptive. They are um, they are very uh, well entailed. Um, they're used. You you will find uh, words that some might describe as offensive. Um, they're uh, Probably more, uh, probably more detailed um, and, and numerous than you would find in other books. But each scene furthers the story. You're not going to find just um, characters having sex just for the sake of it. So, 
just a minute ago, you mentioned a, a well-written sex and descriptive. So just kind of go into that and explain what is well-written sex. Well-written sex is sex that I like. One of, one of the editors at uh, Lyrical Press says it has to give me a tingle. If it doesn't give me a tingle, it's not well-written sex. And I, I have to agree with her there. When you're writing a sex scene, you have to think about the fact that we're not watching it on TV. We're not seeing it happen. It, it's not a, a video. We're not hearing it happen. Um, this is something that, that we're reading. Um, you have to make it come to life on the pages. Um, so you have to um, you have to use uh, your deep point of view. Um, you have to be descriptive. Don't just say, um, you know, her her breast brushed against his chest. Um, you know, use your your feeling. Um, you know, how did it feel um, to to feel that you know her breast brush, brushing against his chest? Um, give description. Um, make it pop off the page, um, make your reader want to be that person experiencing that, um, make it hot and make, you know, make me sweat for lack of anything better to say. I mean, that's well-written sex. So what you're saying now is you said the word, you know, makes you tingle. So are you looking or are you writing to the reader so that the reader will get a a response or a reaction or an arousal or almost be into that sex scene themselves. Is that uh, the idea, the premise of it? It's the, the, I wouldn't say you're looking for arousal, but you're definitely making them want to be in the story. You're making them want to read on. Um, it, it's not, it's, it's not about wanting to be, aroused in the sense that they want to go and have sex, per se, but they are wanting to be those characters. They are wanting to be in that story. Um, And, I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess if you're looking at it from that standpoint, when you're talking about an erotica story, you are looking at an arousal. Mm -hmm. So... What is the difference between in and pornography? Um, maybe give me your de- definition of what pornography would be as opposed to the erotic type of writing. Pornography doesn't have story. Uh, pornography is something that you, you start off with sex and you you have sex in the beginning, sex in the end, or sex in the middle and sex in the end, and there's no story in between. Um, there, the sex isn't character or the sex isn't story driven. It's it's just sex. That's just sex. That's just sex. There's no story there at all. Um, that's pornography. It's it's just there's there's no story to it. Um, it's strictly written for the sake of arousal. Period. Great. I think that makes it uh, pretty clear. Now, I was wondering. Uh, if I'm going to start writing, uh, should I choose a pseudonym so that, you know, my boss doesn't accidentally stumble across my work? Or how, how would I go about choosing a, a pseudonym? Um, you know, it's really a personal choice. 
it, it's it's something that that is individual uh, to to each person. Um, I know I when I write I write under a pseudonym um, because of my child. Um, I know a lot of writers who um, use pseudonyms for the same reasons, um, and also because of their work reasons. Um, I know some writers who who write under their real names because they're, they're very proud of of their work and their ideas and, and their thoughts, and, and they don't care, you know, who knows what they write. Um, so it's a very personal choice, you know. If you do write under a pseudonym, I would say um, when when you're choosing it, um, go with something that that makes you that makes you first comfortable you know, because it's something that's going to be with you and it's going to be associated with your work for a long time. And also something that fits your work. Um, you know, if you're writing erotic novels, um, you want to pick something that is that is fitting to erotic novels, something that is, um, that is sexier, um, you know, something that is um, a little bit enticing, I would think. Um, it's really for writing an erotic novel or for writing novels, period, the, the choice to use a pseudonym, it, it's entirely a personal choice. Sure, that makes sense. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about uh, the language itself. I mean, when we look at some of the older uh, novels, the language is so flowery and it's it's almost silly. But on the other hand, you don't want to be too clinical either. And you don't want to be, I don't know, too uh, too ghetto, for lack of a better word. How do you get a happy medium? Um, you know, that's the difficult. Um, that's the difficult part because you don't want um, what you don't want is uh, what you're talking about with the flowery language is called purple prose, um, and it's it's one of those things that when you read it, it, it kind of makes you laugh out loud. Um, <laughs> and then you have um, limited choice because you know there are, are certain words that that people recognize and find acceptable for certain body parts, and and then you have editors like me who will um, get on you for you know repetition and <laughs> say you know let's find another word, and um, then you have words that you know people will say well you know don't use that that's that's rude, that's unacceptable, that's nasty, you know. Um, so it's hard to find a happy medium. Um, and what I always say is, you know, uh, read it out loud. Um, when, when you're writing something, read it out loud. And if it makes you laugh when you read it, it's purple prose. Um, if it makes you cringe, it's, it's nasty. And, you know, if it's, if it's something that you can just kind of say, you know, yeah, it works you know, then, then you're probably okay, you know, um, so, you know, trying to use those, those words that are, are, you know, there in the middle and mixing them up a bit, and there's also websites out there, um, I don't have any off the top of my head, that, that list, um, words that you can use for, for different body parts when you're writing erotic novels, if I can Google any of them while we're talking, um, um, that, uh, but they're out there that they list words for um, for different body parts when you're writing erotic novels, and they're really good um, for um, avoiding the purple prose. 
great. I had no idea that there were there were resources that were accessible. And you point out another back to the basics, you know, read it out loud no matter what kind of book you're writing and, you know, read it, have an audience of one or two people that you can actually trust to give you your opinion, <laughs> their opinion. Uh, so that's all good. Um, let's talk a little bit about some of the uh, uh, crossovers. I'm guessing, I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to guess, probably the biggest crossover this year is erotic romance with vampires Probably number two is probably historical romances, and probably number three might be time travel. Or what, what kind of things open up for that? Um, you know, I think what we're seeing a lot of, you know, um, right now is we're getting a lot of, you know, the 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 the, the shifters, um, vampires. We're getting a lot of the. Um, uh, we've gotten some um, witches um, in the whole uh, ghosts, the, the, the whole, you know, the whole paranormal thing is really, really hot right now. So I would say, you know, anything in the paranormal realm is really, you know, what's, what's big in terms of, you know, crossover and erotic right now. When you talk about paranormal, what, define paranormal to our listening audience. Um, paranormal would be anything otherworldly. Um, you can do ghosts, you can do witches, you can do werewolves, you can do um, vampires. Um, it can be dark, it can be uh, humorous. Um, you know, another thing that um, I didn't mention um, to what v- Victor had asked me, steampunk. There's a big push for steampunk. Um, I just edited a steampunk erotic novel, and um, Lyric Press has a call out for steampunk erotic right now, um, and I know that that's a um, that's a big one right now as well. Okay, let me just clarify um, that steampunk, steampunk, and that goes back to um, the uh, I want to say the Victorian era. You know, in the gears and the like, anything that has to do with like um, you know the cogs and the gears and um, I know with a particular you know novel I edited, um, which is a if I can plug this one, it's a coming soon from Lyrical Press called Clocks, Clockworks and Corsets. Um, they're on an airship, you know, um, and uh, they are it's a, it's a all female crew, and um, they end up lost in a in a jungle and um they're searching for um a weapon um well they don't know it's a weapon at the time but um you know i don't want to give too much of a book Uh away you know but um it it is in a it's an erotic novel and you know it's called steampunk and it's really you know it's really interesting and it's, it's a really i had never read steampunk before and it's really something that I got into, and it was really, really a great book. Um, so, you know, I mean, if you're into that, you know, that Victorian era and, you know, the the, the whole uh, cogs and, and, you know, that technical okay. stuff, mm-hmm. you know, um, that's something that's really great to, to write about as well. So when it comes to the sex scenes, what is... Um more popular to the reading audience is is it uh, heterosexual scenes is it homosexual is it you know what what is really i mean 
from what I see coming in all the time, there's just a combination of all kinds of uh, themes or relationships. And I'm wondering what you can, you know, tell us more on that. Is one more popular over the other? You know, I think that the most popular would probably be, that's a hard one to answer. Mm -hmm. I would say probably it would be the menage. I would say that would probably be most popular. And why is that? Is that because there's more readership or is it something because it's just different than maybe what the reader does is or, you know, just any ideas why that would be more popular than the others? Um, Personal opinion would be, uh, I, I think it's, it's, it's different. Uh-huh. Um, I, I believe it's different than what's, what's offered, you know, in, in your, your brick-and-mortar bookstores. Uh-huh. Um, it's something that, you know, people haven't been able to go out and buy in the past. And it's also something people can buy in the privacy of their own home, an e-book. So, you know, yeah, that just brings me to the next question then is you mentioned brick-and-mortar. Do brick-and-mortar stores really carry erotic romance books, or is this something that is usually purchased online or in e-books? Well, you know, brick-and-mortar stores, they do carry erotic books. Uh-huh. But when it comes down to it, if you have a choice between going to a brick-and-mortar store and, and purchasing books you know, that, that may be embarrassing to you or buying them online, and they're readily available online to you, I think that people are choosing to purchase these books which are readily available to them online because you know, these books are coming out by, by the hundreds online and they're good books. You know? um, we have you know, some fabulous authors online and they're writing some, some fabulous books. And brick and mortar stores in the past did not carry a wide selection of erotic novels and they're just now realizing the market in the erotic industry and have just now started, I mean, I was in, in the bookstore the other day and I, I uh, was popping through the aisles and I thought, wow, you know, the selection of, um, of erotic books has, has grown, not by leaps and bounds, but it has grown. And, and I see that, you know, because of, you know, the growth in, in the erotic book industry online, the brick-and-mortar bookstores are struggling, I think, and, and again, this is personal mm-hmm. opinion, to keep up with the growth in the online industry, you know, um, because they don't want to lose business that they're losing online. You know, I mean, that's that's how I see it anyway. Of course, and, you know, our society is changing too. I mean, you know, look what's on TV now. Uh, you know, there's a lot of erotic romance going on on TV, so it's getting to the point where, Yes, okay, we can, you know, we watch TV in the privacy of our own homes, but it's also out there in society and it's more acceptable. So people will go into a brick-and-mortar store and it's not going to be as embarrassing to buy an erotica book. Right. Um, I would think that, you know, because of our societal changes. So, um, Deborah, the next question I have here is, how, who is your market? Is it mostly female? Is there a particular demographic age group? Are they males? You know, I, I think we're I, I think we're um, about equal in the male and the female department. 
Um, I would say that uh, generally male and female enjoy erotica about the same. Um, and in terms of age group, I really can't answer that. I don't know. Great. Thanks for that uh, insight. Let's talk. We were talking about online sales. I think that's a good time to segue into ebooks. We talked to Sylvia Hubbard and. She's worked with a number of authors who have had a lot of success with uh, e-books. Is there anything unique about this market niche that, that makes it such a great fit for the e-books? I think e-books are wonderful. You know, I think e-books have opened the door to, to so many, you know, authors that the doors were not open to in the past. Um, you know, in the past, it was difficult for, for new authors to to get published, um, and I think the ebook industry, um, you know, blew that wide open for authors um, like myself, you know, who are brand new in in the publishing industry, and um, you know, we're we're not bad authors, we're we're good authors, and the thing is, is you know, with the big New York publishers, they only have so many contracts that they can offer per year, you know, um, and who do they give them to? You know, um, it's not that, you know, they, that there's authors that are, you know, really good that are getting turning, that are getting turned down. It's, you know, that they just can't offer everybody who has a good book, a contract. So I think that the ebook industry turned around and gave the opportunity to these authors who have these good books and were getting turned down a chance to, to get their material out there. And um, I think that that has done wonders for the the book industry in and of itself. Oh, yeah, I agree, definitely. Um, this is, we, uh, a while ago we had Victor J. Bannis on the show, who was one of the earliest uh, writers of, of gay romance novels. And he sort of was talking about, for lack of a better word, what you call the Brokeback Mountain effect, which is so many straight women were getting into writing gay novels that the, the gay writers were having trouble getting into their own market. I, have, have you noticed any trend like that, or is that just his opinion? Um, no, I, I would actually agree with that. I, I, I do see a lot of women writing gay uh, gay fiction, but not to the exclusion of gay men um, being able to get their own books published. Um, but I don't have a lot of experience in in gay fiction either. Um, not, you know, because of my own doing, but just because that's not, um, that's not something that uh, I've been presented with at this point in time. You know, I, I think, though, that <laughs> I, I kind of see, you know, uh, his point on that, though, um, I think that you know, with the with the movie Brokeback Mountain, you know, um, that was that was a big that was a big movie, you know, and a lot of women liked that movie, and a lot of you know, you know, uh, kind of a thing where you know, a lot of women thought, you know, hey, you know, I could write something like that, and they all, you know, everybody wanted to to, to write, you know, something that was that great, you know, and I, I see a lot of that, you know, women writing you know, books that are of that nature. And um, I, I can, I, yeah, I can totally see that. Great. Um, this next question, you, I might be out of the blue. If so, we can just strike it. But 
I heard that the Harlequin Romance is starting a print-on-demand division, and I wonder if you think uh, that would be a suitable outlet. It's basically a package where you pay seven, $800 to, to get in print ostensibly under their label, but obviously they don't distribute it you know, the way they do their other books. I'm not really crazy about that option. I, I, I mean, of course, authors always have the, the opportunity to do print-on-demand if, if that is their desire. I did not expect Harlequin to come out with that option. You know, for, for authors that really want to see their books in, in print and, and they're willing to do the, the print-on-demand, you know, the, there were options available to them already. I'm not quite sure why Harlequin, you know, got it on that, but yeah. <laughs> Well, it's probably like everybody else or uh, maybe suffering in one area and so expanding in another. Who knows? But, um, Deborah, the, um, there seems to be a lot of novellas in the erotic romance novels, and I'd just like you to touch on that because this is something... Why are novellas so popular, and um, what constitutes a good novella? Well, I think novellas are popular because they're shorter, they're easier to read, you know, um, they're quicker, not easier to read, they're quicker to read. Um, and, you know, readers like them because, you know, it's something that they can sit down and they can, you know, read over, say, a lunch break or, you know, a couple of lunch breaks. And, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, some, it's a quicker. It's quicker to get to the conclusion. Um, so you know they're more popular with the readers. Also, um, with the e-publishing um, in in novellas, in e-publishing, your word count is 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 important. So if your word count is less, say you know seventy thousand words. Uh, you're more likely to get print than in, if it's longer, say, you know, 80 to 90,000 words. Okay. So, so um, a lot of your, your, your work are shorter than, you know, if you're submitting to one of the, the New York publishers because um, of the word counts that, that e-publishers are, are capping off at. Um, I mean, I'd have to go to Lyrical's website and see if we if there's a cap on our on our word count. I'm not quite sure that we uh-huh. what our cap would be um, if there is one. But I know that there are some e-publishers out there who who have a cap. They don't take um, they don't take word uh, they don't take works that are longer than say sixty or seventy thousand words uh-huh. or um, you know eighty thousand words. So that could be why you're seeing shorter works through e-publishers. I um, personally read a few uh, erotic uh, novellas, and I just found that they, it was interesting because in the 10 to 12 pages, it just seemed like the whole thing was a sex scene. There was really not the anticipated story to as there would be in a regular ebook or you know regular novel. And the reason I'm kind of chuckling to myself is because then I had to write a review. And how, you know, it was very difficult for me because it was really, you know, the, the story was, 
it was just difficult <laughs> because right. it was so short and it was mostly the sex scene and it was just really hard to condense it all into a 350 word review when all, you know the novella itself was just a little over that so uh, but you had mentioned the fact that you know people can read them during lunch break or during any break and because in their online and it's easy to read a novella and well, when you're talking about a novella, I mean, are you are you talking about like you know the the seventy thousand word novella or like a short story that's like like I said I had one I think that I put out that was I think it was like three three thousand words uh-huh, uh-huh. three to five thousand words I think it was right um, something that goes on to ten twelve pages something like that so right I just uh-huh, noticed a lot of them around. Well, I mean, I know I can answer from personal experience, you know, why why I would have put out, you know, just like a 10-page, you know, short little erotic story. You know, from personal experience, why I would have published something like that, it was something that, you know, was was cute. It was something that I thought was kind of sexy, that people might, you know, it was quick read, people might like it, you know. You know, it was just something I hoped people liked. You know, I think that one was called The Gentleman's Dare. And it was it was kind of my first hand at erotica. Uh-huh. And um, it was also kind of my first, my first inkling that um, I'm not very good at erotica. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> So, you know, I mean, I think when you, when, when you put out, you know, something that's like, you know, 10 pages, and, and you're right, you know, who wants to read 10 pages of sex? Well, and that's what they, uh, the ones that I had uh, read, you know, this is what they were. But then on the other hand, I had to think about the other, you know, the other readers too, because right. maybe it is that, you know, they just need a quick break and it's easy to read a 10 to 12 page story and it's online and they can do it during work or their break and, you know, and so there's a need for those too. Right. Yeah. Let's just switch over to another question I have here. And this is your target, your market target. And how do you actually market to them? Well, I think a lot of people, um, they do the Yahoo groups, you know, um, they do Facebook, they do MySpace. Um, I think there's a lot of online marketing um, in terms of um, erotica. And then there's, you know, always, you know, uh, bookmarks, uh, postcards, things like that that people can um, get. If you do, um, oh, the name is going to escape me at this at this point in time. Um, let me run into my office and I can figure out what the name is. Um where you can get um, business cards and postcards and things like that, and you can get them for essentially for free. Um, Vistaprint. Vistaprint. Thank you very much. Um, if you go, if you go to Vistaprint, you can get you know all kinds of things essentially for shipping costs, um, and you can get your book covers, you can get your websites, and everything you want put on car magnets, pens, T-shirts, business cards, um, and people can get these shipped to their home and they can go out to the bookstores, to coffee houses, um, things like that, and they can leave them in strategic places. And I think a lot of marketing is done that way. 
Um, and that's on the individual level. Um, through the publishers, um, I know that we go through reviewers. Um, there's a lot of uh, uh, publishers I know, um, I think most of them have a review coordinator that um, send our books out to the reviewers. And then um, also I think most of us do um, some advertising through um, a lot of different places. Some of us try to do through um, RT and um, most of us try to do um, on the different websites that allow advertising for our covers and, and allow us to purchase ad space for um, our authors. Well, I imagine, too, there's a specific type of, you know, the reader and uh, for erotica romance, and so they end up looking for you, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, the key is, um, and I found this out, um, you know, for my authors, you know, is once you've written that first book, you know, you're if you don't gain your readership through that first book, you know, to keep trying because you might gain that readership through that second book. And they'll go back and they'll look for that first book, you know. So never stop promoting um, because if you promote, if you promote, like, you know, I'll, I'll always promote my first book, you know, um, even though my first book's been out for, you know, quite a while because um, I've, I gain new readers all the time and I never know who's going to go back and purchase that first book that has read, future, you know, my, my later works. That's a great point. I mean, this stuff has a, an excellent shelf life, uh, especially if it's a historical romance, I'm sure. Uh, let's right. talk, talk for a little few minutes about, um, I mean, successful publishers usually have a set of genres that they're uh, invested in. How do I go about finding the right publisher for my work? Um, I think you want to do a look, do a search for publishers, um, first of all. Um, look at what each individual publisher has. Um, look at their websites, look at the books that they have and the genre that you've written in, um, look at their submission guidelines, you know, um, you know, see if they're, you know, um, taking what you've written, um, look at the author list, you know, um, see if you can maybe talk to an author or two, you know, from that publishing house. You know, and, and Facebook is a wonderful thing. Um, because you can connect with so many people. As Irene pointed out at the beginning of the interview, I'm on Facebook all the time, um, and I leave myself open. You know, people can contact me on there at any point in time. Um, you know, talk to, um, send an email to the publisher. You know, um, ask questions. You know, uh, make yourself knowledgeable about the publisher that you want to submit to first of all, um, because you have to remember that this is your work um, and this is where you're wanting to place your work. And you have to be happy with it, you know. Um, you have to be happy with it from the time that it is accepted to the time that it comes out. But along the same lines, you have to work with whatever publisher that accepts your work to get it from point A to point publish, 
you know, because when it gets accepted, it's not going to be, you know, boom, it's accepted and it's coming out. You know, it has, it, it follows a process, you know, it gets accepted, it gets an editor, it goes through the editing process, you get a cover, you know, it, it's a process before it's going to come out and there is work to be done. Um, so I think that, you know, um, in order to be, you know, happy, you know, um, the first thing is, you know, researching, um, finding people to talk to, um, seeing, you know, what the market is, where, you know, your book's going to, um, or which publishers uh, sell best for the genre that you've written in, um, where authors are, are happy, you know, and then where you think that you're going to be the happiest. And then, you know, realizing that, you know, wherever you place your book, you're going to have to you have to work with these people to, to come up with a finished product. Debbie, you've really given us a lot of great pointers here, and I know that our listeners um, are going to be intrigued and possibly even go ahead and publish their uh, erotic romance stories that they have written. So before we close, I'd like you to give us your um, website address so that um, our listening audience can connect with you. Absolutely. I can be found at HTTP www.blogspot.com. And you're on Facebook as? I am. It's um, Jordana Ryan. J-O-R-D-A-N-R-Y-A-N. And also, you are an author, and uh, so those are your sites, but you're also an editor with Lyrical Press and um, their website address. Lyrical Press's website address is www.lyricalpress.com. Very simple. This is great. And uh, do you have any last-minute points or something you'd like to share with our listening audience before we close off? You know... I do, I just want to, you know, to any writer out there, um, just share with them not to ever give up, you know, um, because whatever you're writing, you know, it's, it's something that's, that's worth it and you can do it and there's somebody out there to help you, you know, um, you just got to keep plugging along and, you know, uh, like I said, there, there's, um, there's always somebody out there that's going to give you encouragement. And um, if you want, you're welcome to add me on Facebook. And I'm always good for encouragement. So, <laughs> Great, great. Thank you, uh, Debbie. You're welcome. Okay, you've been listening to another podcast edition of Authors Access, where authors get published and published authors get successful. We'll be back next time when our topic will be successful podcasting, and our special guest will be Alan E. Smith from the Unbreak Your Health Show. You can learn more about all of our guests on the Authors Access website, which is authorsaccess.com. We'd love to hear from you about tonight's show. Please send us your questions and comments to info at authorsaccess.com. Authors Access is a joint production of Reader Views Incorporated and Loving Healing Press. And for Reader Views, this is Irene Watson wishing you a good night. For Loving Healing Press, this is Victor Wolfman in Ann Arbor, Michigan, wishing you all a good evening. Good night.